Hey everybody, welcome back to the Punk Till I Die podcast, episode number 51. I'm one of your hosts, Tom Trauma, and somewhere out there is Liverpool Neil. How you doing, Neil? I'm doing fine today. It's a lovely Sunday. Uh, how are you? Day, isn't it? It is. It was, man, I, I tell you what, I don't know if it was like this, but it was really, it was really humid yesterday. Yeah, it's hot. Yeah, it's because we went to, um, we got outdoor seating now at like all, actually, all the bars in Chicago as of Friday... You can actually sit inside if you like, but it's like 25% capacity, I think. Mm. Whatever the fuck that even means. Like, anybody is policing that. I think we're at 50, but I don't think they're doing a very good job of policing it. That's the impression I get. Right. And um, and I think all the bullshit that's going on in Florida is going to scare everybody to death yeah. about, about this nonsense. I wonder if, yeah, if we're going to... Michigan is actually one of the couple of states that's sort of on... Supposedly on track to eradicate this thing so we'll see what happens i don't know i hope yeah i hope we don't go back i hope the kids go back to school that's my big concern yeah i mean it's the same as illinois illinois was one of the was one of the best states right but yeah. all, all it takes is all the dickheads who went down for spring break down to florida and caught it and then all come back up again right because it's yep. it's well you know, you do, close we'll the borders? Once again, I'm, I'm i'm always a little skeptical of a lot of the way some of this stuff is being reported but once again i don't want you to think i'm not saying i don't believe it's real or anything like that but i'm you know, the media and the government are hand in hand and sort of keeping us scared and sort of yeah, unawares at this point, I think. So. Well, some anyway. some of those numbers, though, from Florida are crazy. Yeah. No, Florida I mean, and Texas are not. mental, you know. So uh, that was, but anyway, my point was, yeah, I was outside at uh, at my local uh, favorite pub yesterday, and uh, it was, when the sun came out, it was really, really hot outside yesterday yeah, not hot. only hot humid it was very humid it's one of those days like yesterday i just more or less stayed home and did nothing and uh yeah the beer went very fast so it's just like one for another not good for hydration by the way uh yeah well i guess it depends what kind of beer you're drinking if you're back on that miller like, light shit again it probably it is it's <laughs> yeah, probably it's fine <laughs> it's all water i drank some beer neil that you would you would uh, you know i know you're, you're a beer snob so you'd look down your nose at me but i was i, I walked into the cooler like the beer cave at the local gas station and there was one twelve pack of it there, and I'd never seen it before. And it was Keystone Light, raspberry, and lime. Oh, that sounds like vomit. That sounds. <laughs> well, let me tell you something. I drank every one of them yesterday. So. Of course you did, and you didn't, and you weren't even buzzed, were you? Uh no, no, uh, I was not. Yeah, wife, I figured not. Um, you said a mouthful right there, mate. You said really just said a mouthful. Like most of us, if we go, if we go to buy beer. You know, we go to like the local, uh, like Emporium or something, or like a liquor store at least. You, <laughs> you go to the fucking gas station. You fucking white <laughs> trash. You don't have beer gas stations. Uh, I mean, you probably can, but that's not where I would go to buy my beer. <laughs> Dude, that's hysterical. But yeah, it's. Uh, I might take the day off today. I might not. I haven't really decided yet. But yeah, it's so hot, man. Ooh, so. I, hey, I just got a I just got a notification on my phone. I'm in my I'm back to the Pillow Fortress of Solitude, of course. Yes, sir. I just got a notification on my phone that a pillow has just arrived via Amazon. A pillow? Yes, another you, pillow. You need another pillow. What is it with the pillows, Neil? What is it with the pillows? Yeah, I I've know. I've had actually quite a few people giving me feedback and empathizing with the the pillow situation. Now is this? Those of us you know have domestic bliss. There's just too many pillows. Now this new this new one is it from like my pillow or whatever those retarded commercials <laughs> no, are with no, that like old that white guy. It actually has like uh, like those little balls that hang from it. It looks. I like, bet it uh, does. <laughs> I bet you like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yes, what, sir. What, 
Talk about today, Neil. Uh, what do we normally talk about? Just nonsense. No, what I was going to say, actually, what I was going to say, just keeping on this humidity thing for a while, yeah. is uh, when I was a kid in that England. Talk about is, is the weather, right? Yes. Yeah, well, that's a very punk rock thing, especially old man punk yeah. rock thing to talk about. But um, when I was a kid in England, because England, yeah. one thing it's not, it's not humid. Really? So you do not... How, I mean, it's like 100% humid when it's raining all the time. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but it's never it, like it's never sweaty, right? So even in the summer when it's when it's hot, well, you know, 75 degrees was kind of as hot there, but um, like you never really sweat. So when I would watch like we're talking tennis, would I would be watching the U.S. Open or something? You know, which is what normally early September or something in New York. Yeah, it should be too hot. So, oh no! It's always it's always super super humid in uh, in New York right, right right about then. And so I would see these people with shirts just like dripping, and I could never understand it. I was always like, "Wow, those Americans must be really unhealthy to be sweating as much as they are and stuff." But then when I first you came to know the... how unhealthy they are by how much color their skin has and their straight <laughs> white teeth, right? It seems very unhealthy. But when I first, you know, when I first came to the states and I got off the plane and we're talking in, you know, down at U of I in the in the middle of a fucking cornfield in the middle of uh, August, then I was like, oh, now I get it. This uh, is this is humidity, and I'm in a fucking shirt and a leather jacket. <laughs> well, listen, man. They say that vitamin D is good for the body to help combat this coronavirus. I mean, vitamin D obviously has a lot of value to the human body. Yeah. And the kind you get from the sunlight is the best kind. So. Right. Get yourself some sun, man. Get some sun on your pasty British white ass, right? Well, I've been here a long time now, right? So, but anyway, it was just it was just funny when I was a kid. I was like, "What's the matter with these Americans? Why are they sweating so much? <laughs> They're fucking weirdos." You know, it's funny. You know, let's. So, why don't we talk about our topic? Because I want to. I'm actually going to pick up on that a little bit when we when we when we come back. From our well, song. about getting sweaty. Okay. But do you want you want me to play the first one, or are you going to play the first one? I can't remember. We just well, let, let me introduce it first. Yeah, go ahead. So, what we decided to do today. Um, Something, you know, give it a little bit of a topping instead of just meandering all over the place like we normally do. Um, instead of actually finishing something we start? Yeah. So, I mean, so one thing punk, punks have always been known for, right? Punk bands have always been known, since the very beginning, have always been known for um, doing covers of older songs. And whether it be that, like, generic, um, you know, just play an old song and just play it fast and, and snarl out the vocals kind of thing, or whether it's... F- taking an old song and completely fucking changing it and doing a completely radically new version. But, you know, most old punk bands definitely did covers. A, partly because they only had so much new material that they could written in this new style, right? And partly because, you know, they. it's interesting. The original punk bands, you know, all their influences was stuff from the 60s and 70s. Like the Ramones were influenced by the Beach Boys and stuff like that, right? And the Pistols yep. and the Clash were inf- influenced by Mutt the Hoople and Roxy Music and stuff like that. So they had that wide range of influences, you know, and they would do covers of some of those songs. Whereas later punk bands were influenced by the first wave of punk bands. So I think that's why the sound started to get uh, well, and kind of same. The, you the know? hardcore bands were even less musically adept than the first wave punkers, a lot of the first wave punkers could actually play right. or learn to play their instruments in a more traditional way. So you get to a band like Minor Threat or the Circle Jerks or something, I don't even think they could do that. Right. You know what I mean? I don't think Black Flag could have pulled off a, you know, whatever, I Fought the Law or something back in the day. Maybe I'm wrong about that. No, but, but it's but no, no, but it's, it's, a, it's a good point, though. But the fact, you know, the, the, the point I was trying to make was that those later punk bands, they were influenced by the first punk bands, so yeah. that's how the sound kind of 
just got harder and faster and stuff like that. They didn't have that wide range of, of original um, They were busy influences. pushing each other to get faster and to get harder yep. instead of... Yeah. Yep. So, um, anyway... So what, so, are you, what are you going to play to push this point home? Uh, well, so, so as we were saying, so... But did we even say this is episode 51, by the way? Did you even did. say that today? It's episode 51. We're Interesting. over the hump, people. Interesting, everybody. This is we're episode 51. Year, we're pretty much a year's worth of episodes into this thing after how many months? Eight Holy months. Seven. Eight Has months. it been that long? Yeah, we started in October, the end of October. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because um, I would... We're having fun, huh, buddy? Yeah, it, it's been amazing. I'll I'll, I'll be real. Um, so, yeah, so... Okay, I'll play the first one. So, okay. the first one I am going to play... It, it's not going to be one of the obvious ones of the Clash First album or something. The first one I am going to play is... Uh, there's a Manchester band called The Drones, who... Okay. Um, not familiar. Yeah, I think we played one of their songs before. How many of the members killed themselves? Uh, I don't think any. And in fact, they nope. did. They Are did you do it from Manchester. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think they left and went to London real fast, though. <laughs> in case you haven't noticed, guys, this is Manchester thing is a recurring, a recurring joke because it's Neil went to college in Manchester and he said he had like three days of sunshine in that last three years. year. Yeah, that so. last year, I, I think that was true. Um, so anyway, yeah, the drones. Um, yeah, small. But they only pulled out. One, they put out one classic album in like '77, okay. um, and maybe like three three classic singles. Uh, Bone Idol was the probably their best known song. But anyway, oh, on the, the ever popular Bone Idol, it's a, I tell you what, it's a good song. It's I'm I'm, I'll, 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 I'll play that. I'll play that one of these days. But right now, I'm gonna on their first album. Uh, I think the album's called. Is it called something Confessions? Uh, I don't remember off the top of my head. But um, they did a cover of. Uh, I think the old Ronettes song, Be My Baby. Um, was it the Ronettes? See, I'm, I'm showing my ignorance there. Less, much more obscure than the better-known Ramones version from 79 or 80, right? Um, well, it's the same song. Yeah, yeah, but I'm saying much lesser known. Not yeah, and yeah oh yes, much less known. I'm much better. That Ramones yep. version was bloody awful. Um, yeah, I didn't really care for the instrumentation on the Ramones version, but Joey's voice sounded good on that. Yeah, so this, yeah, Joey's voice was in Fine Fatal then. It was probably when it sounded its, its best. Um... But uh, the drones do it in that typical 77 punk fashion where they take ah, an old song and they just make it faster. And, like, you know, they fuck with the chorus a little bit, but it's a, it's a, it's a really good cover. So um, this is the drones with uh, Be My Baby. Just one chance, I'll never let you go! 
There you go. Be My Baby by the Drones off their first album, which I will uh, speak a minute, Tom, and let me find out what that's called for sure. Well, well, it's funny, It's funny, you know, so you were talking about the U.S. Open and all that, and I don't know if they're going to have that this year or what, what the situation is with sports. It doesn't look good. Um, but, you know, I'm not a huge sports guy anymore. I was, I'm, I've was i been a pretty big baseball fan my whole life, and I do like to go see a game or two a year. I know you're a big, like, fan of Premier League soccer, right? Uh, actually, not even Premier League. My team is actually in the second level, but hoping oh, hoping right. to get to the Premier League this year, as a matter of fact. But yes, so, definitely. So yeah. is, is that is that on hold also? No, that started last week. Really? They so is there people in the stands? No. Um, <laughs> and in fact, this is funny. So uh, yeah, the, the the stands are empty. But different different teams are, are doing different things. Like uh, I know there's a league in Korea where people were putting like blow up dolls in the stands as as oh, a kind of a joke. But, uh, but like the cheap like the cheap inflatable ones, not like the good like eight thousand dollar real doll ones like Howard Stern has. No, there was there was the there was a couple of real doll ones there, and then there was like complaints and stuff. But I thought that was pretty funny. But uh, my team leads. They allowed like real fans to get like full colored uh like cutouts of themselves in like those like full size figures or whatever on cardboard and they'd pay to get those put on the put in the seats you know as if the people were even uh were you know were still there right whatever um it's a good way for the club to make money i guess creative ways to try to raise a couple bucks yeah and make the stands not look so just empty seats you know but like one one guy for whatever reason had a picture of osama bin laden (laughs) so they had to take that one they had to take that one down I thought that was fun. Nobody's <laughs> got a sense of humor anymore, Neil, and I think we learned that more this week than we did last week, which is hard to believe, right? Dude, the whole country, the whole world has another lost week, its sense another of week of Another week of friends turning on friends, and I mean, is there like a whole crew of people that are just sitting around now going through old videotapes and video recordings trying to find someone that they don't like using a word that they don't like, or, you know, I, I, I must say, I never went blackface for Halloween. No. I never even, I don't even. I, really I don't dress up for Halloween, it, so I'm safe. I never dressed I, up for Halloween. Yeah, I haven't since I was a teenager either, but yeah. I'm very glad. I don't think there's a whole lot of, you know, incriminating evidence of me out there, you know, to get our get us canceled. Uh, Dude, I think... One of us would have to turn on the other and just like, oh, I never knew that Neil, uh, you know ever tried to be funny in a way that's now considered offensive even though it wasn't 20 years ago or 30 Dude, years we ago. Dude, sa- we, we say it out loud on the podcast every week. We... <laughs> listen it's 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 part of it's funny kind of because some of the people that are getting found out are some of the biggest hypocritical idiots out there but it's weird all these bands man they're all turning on each other and people are getting kicked out of bands there's a band called home record i'm not necessarily the world's biggest home record guy i think they're from cleveland or something like that and like early in the week it came out that their guitar player was a bit of a sexual predator not a good thing should be kicked out of the band right so the only other original member was like the drummer, so he kicked him out. And then like later in the week, allegations came out against him. So he had to kick and, himself out. <laughs> I mean, it was, it's just like, oh my gosh, they're all trying to. But it's just this like this. I hate to say it, it's this weird like Hitler Youth kind of mentality. Well, of you know, turn in your parents if they're not you know following the rules of the state. It's just, it's just crazy. And don't get me wrong, I'm not I'm not defending sexual predators. If you are sending dick pics to underage girls or if you are grooming underage girls or whatever, I, I, I don't have any sympathy for you. But it's just these watching friends of years turn on each other. It's just it's so bizarre, man. Well, and also the the term sexual predator, I well I don't even know what that really means. I mean 
it's like, well, it, it, you know, it, it, there is a fine line there, right? Because we, we talked about this a little bit when Joe King was on. I think some of it might have ended up on the cutting room floor. Yeah. But we talked about the fact that, you know, musicians, a lot of, you know, any of these musicians, you read a biography and, you know, Steve Jones, I just read the Steve Jones biography. I just read, you know, I'm working on the replacements biography right now. And every guy said, man, we got into this to get girls. And I don't think yes. that's... And it yep. doesn't mean it's a bad way. You know, we're not manipulating or, you know, something like that. But but there was definitely, and I think hardcore punk was definitely kind of ushered in that weird attitude of, you know, sex and punk don't go together. Because, I mean, listen, the Dead Boys and Johnny Thunders and all those guys, they were they were into sex. They he were had, not so afraid he, he had a girl blowing him on stage at CBGB's. <laughs> there's a video of it. I'm sorry if that upset some of our listeners. I missed the name. Who just who who did that? Stiv. Stiv had Stiv? A, yeah, because you said the Dead Boys, right? Yeah, I mean, there's a video of a girl giving him a head on on, on stage at CBGBs. You ever get to go to CBGBs, Neil? No, never did. Okay, I went to I went a couple different times, a few years apart. And granted, this would have been late '90s and early 2000s, so this was hardly when it was at its its peak. You know, it wasn't like you know the Ramones were playing there or anything, but it, it was such a small little dive place just one of these long narrow mm-hmm. kind of clubs the bathrooms are legendary i'm sure you've seen, sure you've seen yeah, photos yeah. but but yeah if if that was happening pretty much everybody in the club knew what was going on oh yeah definitely but yeah people not, people weren't not, offended back then like they are today it, well I, that, I, that i think that place might have kind of existed in a, in a vacuum well <laughs> well i think that kind of stuff was going on at uh max's kansas city as well i think that was the 70s was Wild and fucking wild know. places in LA and whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I read the books, you know, and I go after the fact, and I, I don't know. I don't well, know. I'm going to play another song. Well, well hold, hold on one second, because it's funny that you even mentioned that about bands doing that, like that band Home Rec or whoever the fuck that was, never heard of them. Yeah, like but, I said, I'm vaguely familiar. They're pretty heavy. But, you know, the funny thing is, it, well, it's not funny. I know you're not a pro wrestling fan, but that there's been some kind of new movement in pro wrestling in the last two weeks. And there's been so many people coming out. There's been so many people fired and so many people coming out the woodwork saying, this guy, he, he came on to me five years ago. And all of a sudden they're fired. I, and it's like, it, it's, it's, a, it's a really thin line between... Uh, did something really bad happen, or did you just not get the push? A lot of a lot of female wrestlers. This is from, and it's like, well, were you just not good enough? And this is you getting your own back on this. I don't know. It, it's just they, a. It's or, a really. Yeah, it's listen, a, they, yeah, they shouldn't have to. They shouldn't have to. You know, cheapen themselves to advance. But the fact of the matter is, there's probably other ones who were willing to do that. And it, who knows what the culture was like in there at that point? I have no idea. Well, and, and, and professional wrestling is. Since Hulk Hogan was king in like eighty, I think I quit watching wrestling in like eighty-five. It well, just was not. Well, professional wrestling even back then was well known for you paid your dues, and if you yeah. were if you were a beginner, you carried the guys' bags, and you know people made fun of you, and you know you you worked your way up and earned your respect. Right? No one wants to do that anymore. And that's well, bullying. Kind of that's bullying, right? Guys so many steroids, I can't imagine they get a boner anyway. But hey, <laughs> I guess I can't be sure about that. So let me let me play, let me, we got, let me, let me play another song now. Another yes, cover sir. Song. You go for a song. So, so, this is such a cliched song, and, and the fact of the matter is, everybody knows this, and a lot of people already hate this band. But those of you, uh, you know, Social Distortion, right? Started actually in the late seventies. Yes, sir. In Orange County, yes, broke sir. up, but they finally put out their debut eighty two, eighty three. Mommy's Little Monster, classic, like, American hardcore record, but not, you know, not the hardest, not the fastest, but definitely in that vein. And then, what, they 
split up for a while, maybe Mike nested some time. I'm not sure what happened after that. And then they came back and did a country album, right? Uh, Prison they, Bound, yeah, yeah. Prison Bound is, is a real heavily country-influenced album, even though it's it's still a punk album at the end of the day, I guess. Yeah, it's, probably, the, it's, it's probably their worst album back to front, you know, but uh, it's... Uh, yeah, but it had some great songs on it. Oh, it does, yeah, for sure. And, uh, I mean, Prison Bound and Ball and Chain are almost the same song. Um, and yeah, then, that's uh, true, that's true, I hadn't thought about that, that's true, yeah. The, the rhythm and stuff is very yeah. similar. But and then the third album, they got signed to Columbia Records or CBS or one of the big labels, right? And yep. they famously covered Johnny Cash's Ring of Fire. That was 90. It's such a great song. Still love it. Uh, great song to begin with. And then a uh, great cover. So let's do this is from the Social D self titled album. So Social Distortion, Ring of Fire. <laughs> Fire 
there it was, Social Distortion with Ring That's of Fire. Awesome. They did not play that. First time, I think, ever that I'd seen them not play that. Um, that song is almost, their version of it is almost more well-known than the Johnny Cash version now, I do believe. Yeah, it's been covered so many times, too. It's almost like, it almost falls into that kind of, like, American standard. Right. I mean, they think, probably a lot of people would be surprised to hear that Social D didn't write it. You know, that wouldn't surprise me. You know how that kind of stuff gets lost with generations. And I can't imagine, but maybe. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know how much Johnny Cash is getting played these days, but, uh... You, you, you're a Johnny Cash fan, Neil, or not? I don't think we've ever talked about Johnny Cash. I mean, I I am amazing voice. Um, I mean, I don't have a lot of his albums or anything like that. I was more into early rock and roll. I mean, if you talk about Gene Vincent or Eddie Cochran mm-hmm. or even early Elvis, I got a lot of that stuff. But I don't have any Johnny Cash albums. But I certainly don't have anything. That, I don't have any country albums actually. Um, I don't Is have that, anything. You don't have them. any country albums. No, not one. I mean, unless you count like the Mike Ness solo albums, you know. Yep. Or the That's uh, funny. yeah. That's funny because I have, I don't have a ton of, I don't have a ton of country albums, but I do have some, and I even have some of the mo- like modern. There's a weird kind of bunch of touring bands that are kind of like adjacent to what you would call the psychobilly bands or whatever that mm-hmm. tour the country, and they are kind of countryish, but they clearly have a big punk influence. And the one, the one that I really love is a band called Gallowsbound. I think they're from Winchester, Virginia, or something like that. Hmm. Male, female, co-fronted all acoustic but just rock write these kind of gothy country punk songs i really like and the other one is a band that used to be on there's a couple of them actually they used to be on alternative tentacles back in the day they used to have a couple of pretty good like weird country punk bands and uh one of them is called slim cessna's auto club and i love that band you ever heard of them or no no never never even just heard not, that just name not on your radar at all huh? no never heard the name at all i mean what's well, they... so well, it's, it's something different it's not it's not obviously like a bashing punk rock kind of thing but the, the the aesthetic is not anything like the horrible country you hear on the radio you know see see that's interesting that, that's interesting that you went that way and i went more rock and roll rockabilly kind of you know that kind of but the, it's still you know all kinds of uh vintage classic americana right i mean but uh just two two slightly different takes on it i'm not anti rockabilly but a little of it goes a long way with me Mm-hmm. You know, it's not something I want to listen to a ton. Mm-hmm. I like the Cramps a lot. I like, uh, you know, I can listen to Straight Cats a little bit or something like that. And some of the more obscure ones. There's actually a pretty healthy, like psychobilly rockabilly scene in Detroit specifically, and and uh, over here in Grand Rapids too. There's quite a bit. I love like Elvis Hitler from Detroit. I love. Hey, man, have we ever played Elvis Hitler? I, I have think, to look on this. I know I we t- look cheap. I know we talked about them once or twice. I don't know if we ever played anything by them, but uh, but yeah, I, I was thinking more of the more of the original stuff, you know, like the Gene Vincent's, Eddie Cocker, and stuff like that. I, I you know, listen to a ton of that stuff, honestly. Yeah, I mean, and just the, just classic early rock and roll, right? Yep, just, yep. Yeah, where where the whole thing comes from. And so. I do like that stuff. I just don't. It's not something I listen to a ton. My so back to the Johnny Cash thing, real quick. So at, towards the end of his career and towards the end of his life. He recorded a series of six albums with Rick Rubin. I think they started in about 90 and probably wrapped up around the, you know, they, the last one I think was produced after he died. I mean, maybe the last two, uh, which would have been maybe mid, mid-2000s, like 2005 or something. I'm not, I'm not positive what year he died. But I love those albums so much. So didn't he do something for, with, uh, Ameri- with, with what's Ameri- his name, with Danzig or something? Uh, he did a song that Danzig wrote. Oh, he did. So that's what that was. Okay. It's a great, great song. Um, but I really, really like those albums. They really resonate with me, and that was 
So like I said, that was like late 90s, early 2000s. I was mostly listening to punk rock, but man, I was driving truck and I was listening to the, I had, <laughs> I had that sweet like uh, Walkman thing that had the like cassette yeah, thing yeah. that you could, the dash. So it was very high fidelity playing CDs through like a CD, uh, Sony Walkman or <laughs> yeah, I don't even call them. Yeah. Through the cassette in my diesel truck, you know, cranking it up as I rolled down the highway. It's probably like mono. I, th- I think I think if you go to that gas station to buy the beer, you can still probably buy one of those cassette adapters in there for you, buddy. You know, they got you covered. Yeah, everything uh, my, you need. My daughter had one until relatively recently in her old man Buick that she was driving before she got a new car. And it had the cassette adapter, and then it had the plug to plug your phone in. Oh, wow. It's about like a, a combination of like modern technology and old world charm right yeah definitely wow yeah so uh why don't you want to you want to play the next one we got we got a ton of songs it's actually gonna be a real song heavy episode today it is gonna be a song heavy episode um sure so i'm gonna do i'm going back to 1978 so this time because i did a straight ahead just one year since last time we spoke yeah yeah (laughs) Um, so the the Drones album was called Further Temptations. I knew it was Temptations something, but it's a and it's a classic, classic uh, early English punk rock album. It's really, really worth looking out. But anyway, I'm gonna do for my second song. What's that, Tom? Final. Uh, yes, I actually. Uh, and that's another long story, but yes, I do have the original vinyl. I but I had to come all the way to the states and Champagne Urbana at Record Swap to get it, uh, which is weird. So is that record swap? Is that the place where I just I yes just the price? Okay, indeed. Because I was at flea market and I picked up a copy of a sicko album and it had a champagne or buying a record store yep. price tag on it. Record swap. And uh, after I'm done playing this, we'll we'll talk we'll talk about that a second because it's because it's a funny story. Um, so this time I'm going to do a cover, but it's not like this. Uh, Devo really fucked around with this, right? It doesn't sound at all like the original versions. I'm going to do Satisfaction, obviously, from Devo's first album, Are We Not Men? No, We Are Devo. Um, so it's actually nothing like the Rolling Stones version. You wouldn't even really recognize it was the same song except for the lyrics, right? So they really devoted up. So this is Devo with I Can't Get No Satisfaction.
there you go, the boys, the wonderful boys from uh, Devo there with uh, with Satisfaction. I mean, it might be one of the most well, well, not the most well known. Whip it would be the most well known song, right? But that is a uh, that is a classic. Um, Such an underrated band, man. I think Devo is so good. And once again, it's another band where it's not like I would need to listen to them a ton, but man, I like it when I listen to them. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, their first three or four albums are untouchable. They're, they're fantastic, and they were just so weird. And the fact that they came from the middle of Ohio is even weirder, right? That I mean, they, they have to be a huge influence on a lot of these, like, geeky kind of punk rock bands that came later, like, you know, like an Aquabats or a Boris Sprinkler or something. I would think, like, a Devo would have a big influence on those type of bands, right? Well, hopefully, if we ever get Boris on here, we yes, can ask sir. him. <laughs> Reverend Norb. Yeah, we can, we, we can ask him personally, hopefully. But I think that, or, or maybe even, like, a Meat Men or something, you know? I bet you they had an influence on those type of those bands. And plus the fact that, yeah, the fact that they were from Cleveland. Uh, Akron, I believe, right? Akron, okay. Yeah. Ohio, whatever. Yeah. What, so, have you been either? Well, some of our fa- some of our favorite bands. I mean, that's so weird. I mean, the Dead Boys yeah, are probably boys. now they've probably taken my number one spot as my favorite punk band of all but time. But still, they went to New York, right? I mean, it's not like they were they didn't they would have never made it in Cleveland. Um, but they probably would have been just you know local legends kind of thing, yeah, that just was, like that Rocket was, from came the Tombs. Really like fully talking down to you. You know, they went to New York, right? I mean, I know, <laughs> See, yeah, <laughs> I know, but they are from you know they are from Cleveland, so you know, just it's funny that these massive bands came from such a you know, a weird state. Well, listen, dude, you, you, you want to get out, right? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, but okay, the Dead Boys, I could see, because that's just more, almost like a normal rock and roll sound, right? But Devo was just so weird, right? So weird and off the off the beaten path and just Not unusual. so weird, but they started in like 73 or something. Yeah, exactly. You know, maybe the Dead Boys did two, like a Rocket from the Crypt, or maybe they were on that same Rocket from the Tomb. Yeah, but they were, but Rocket from the, Rocket from the, Tombs, yes, yes, yeah, yeah. I was Mark thinking of the little band, yeah. Um, yeah, they started in like seventy two, seventy three, but they did have a more very tr- more traditional, you know, rock and roll kind of sound. So, oh, it take a while to get jerky. No, I'm talking about. The, I'm talking about. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, oh yeah, so the Champagne Urbana thing. So, okay, so you know, I'd been buying albums since the end of 77, beginning of 78 or whatever, but there'd be yeah. certain albums that I could never get, like that Drones album. Like, I always you wanted it. get it in England, like, from an hour away? No, sir. Um, they were, there was a small label, I think, like, Valor, V-A-L-E-R. Like, I'd never heard of the label that like album was on. So, you know, and big record stores didn't, they didn't stock, you know, a wide selection of punk stuff. In fact, it was so... <laughs> there was one store we would go to locally where punk rock was still such a threat to the to the community or whatever. They didn't. They wouldn't put the punk records in with the regular records in the record store. <laughs> so you'd have to ask for the punk box, and they'd bring this thing out from another counter. Oh, you know, it's like it, renting dirty movies back in the old exactly, days. Exactly. Dude, that's a, that's <laughs> what it was like. Seriously, you'd have to ask for the punk box, and they'd bring it up for you, and then they'd have to like lock it away when you were done looking. But uh, well, they were trying not to corrupt their youth, Neil. Exactly, dude. When I first Thanks. bought when I bought the first Clash album, the guy asked me if I really wanted it, and he, and if I knew what what I was getting into. <laughs> <laughs> like it was like a Which secret is society. So funny now, cause, right, cause forty-three years later, it's pretty. It seems pretty mild, doesn't it? The, Cl- the Clash first album, yeah. I yeah. Mean, shit. Um, but anyway, so there was these albums that I I just couldn't get because obviously there was no internet back then. You couldn't order stuff. Um, you know, you lo- if your local record store didn't have it, then you then you were fucked. Basically, I was fourteen. It wasn't like I was traveling around, you know, to to find the. Um, 
Dead Boys first album. Couldn't find that. Dro- I find it now. Drones. Uh, all the other band called Eater. Um, E-A-T-E-R, Eater. Um, there you go. There's the American translation for you. Uh, so we couldn't find any of that stuff. So, okay. Fast forward to 83. It was always on my want list, but I could never find it. So fast forward to 83. I come to U of I. You know, get off the plane. First day. Oh, there's a record store. Let's go here. I found all those albums that I'd always be there to be looking for. They were all at Record Swap. You're like, what a wonderful country. Seriously, I thought I was in fucking heaven. I must have dropped, and this is 83, so this is a lot of money. I must have dropped like 150 bucks in Record Swap that first day. Holy cow, you had to wire your parents back home. You're like, I'm out of money for the semester. Dude, it was insane. I found the Eater first album. I found the Drones album. I found uh, the... Was it the first or the second Dead Boys album, which I could never find? Um, what else did I get that day? I bought like five albums and like about ten... Because this was obviously stuff that Record Swap had had for like three years and couldn't get rid <laughs> Nobody of. Nobody wanted it. Right. So a lot of the shit was in the... Like, I got Slaughter and the Dogs, um, one of their very early singles, where, like, where have all the boot boys gone? Which is mm. almost impossible to find. And that was in like the dollar bin. Because they, because oh, I, I couldn't get rid of it, so I just I left there that day with like six albums and like ten, fifteen singles, just crazy shit, right? Mm. Um, but anyway, well, how, huh. how how did I get onto that? Anyway, that, that so that was I thought that Record Swap was the greatest store in the whole world, and it actually was a very very good record store. It was very for its time, eighty three. I mean, yeah, punk had been and gone, right? Seventy seven style punk, but um. It seemed like it was just hitting in middle America, you hmm. know? It was uh, it kind of like it had been in, like, 78, 79 in England for me. It was, uh, it was if you saw another guy in a, with, like, a jam T-shirt on or something, you would stop on the street and talk to him because most people down at U of I at that point were just, like, dumbass frat boys or geeky nerds or something, you know what I mean? Anyway, hmm. that's... I'll write a book someday. That's know. that's the way it's going to be when you are walking down the street and you see uh, you pass a fellow uh, person wearing a Punk Till I Die t-shirt. Yes, Punk Till I Die t-shirt. The reason I bring that up is because we were going to mention that we, we haven't quite got all this stuff sorted out yet, but we will, and some of you have already reached out. And it seems like there may be some desire, so we'll probably, we'll probably be looking at maybe getting a second run here at some point or something. So anyway, you can write us, and we will do the best we can, but we are still trying to sort it out. Yeah, that's so that's uh, punctualidice 77 at gmail.com, or yep. look for us on Facebook at punctualidice. As a matter of fact, we got a couple letters, and we'll read a couple in a minute. Um, what else? Oh, yeah, facebook.com. Fa- the the, the punctualidice podcast at Facebook. Yeah, you already said that, right? <laughs> yeah. That's usually my job, Neil. What are you doing? It's all good. I don't know, man. I'm it's just... like I'm sitting up in my room. I think I'm starting to melt. I'm just sort of like. Uh, you falling asleep a little bit over there? Getting a little. No, I'm awake. I'm just sort of like. Uh, I, feel, I feel like I've become like part of my. Pillow fortress. You, 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 you're molding into like a pillow. Into it. Yeah. Like someday they'll have to come cut the wall out to get me out of my room. Yeah. So my 600 pound life. Talking about this whole Champagne Abana thing. Have I ever told you about the uh, about me at the uh, at, at the gay bar down in Champagne? Have I ever I told that was a regular hangout for you? Have buddy. I told this story before? <laughs> No, I don't think so. So, so okay. So this is oh a, boy, you're gonna get us canceled, aren't you? This is a side note, but it's you're it's not, fa- you're not in blackface right now, are you? Dude, dude, looking back, it's fucking hysterical. So, all, all right. right. 
I'm coming from England. I may have to ask you to edit this out later, but hey, we'll, uh, we'll I'll listen to your story. No, it's, no, it's nothing offensive. <laughs> no, it, it's just no, funny. No, I'm, and, I'm, and, just, I'm just messing with you. And it's making fun listen, of me. I don't care if it is offensive. Be offensive. It's 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 making fun of me, basically. So anyway, I you know I come to the states. I I don't know what to expect. I've never been to the states before, so I bring what I normally wear in England. I I was you know all the time wearing a leather jacket you know my punk t-shirts whatever it was you know and back that then hat, like rob halford wore with like the captain's hat like, made of leather <laughs> well, was dude, nice. we're, we're getting there all right um <laughs> <laughs> so um and, and if you remember um so it's hot i get off the plane i never felt heat like it i never felt humidity like it so you know whatever um but if you Listening. remember Wiping yourself with a rag and jeez, uh, you having some kind of homoerotic fantasy over there, buddy. Um, a young Neil, yeah. Go ahead. So um, remember, like basketball and anything back then. Basically, the shorts were small, right? It wasn't like those 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 knee length shorts didn't come in until like the late eighties, early nineties, right? So it was like bad, like the or the the do, Michigan basketball team that won the championship. In yeah, like not huggers, the early nineties. Right? The first ones to wear those giant shorts. Yeah, because you look at those old pictures, like Isaiah Thomas, you're like. I think you can see his foreskin hanging out the bottom of his shorts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So they were they were small. Anyway, so that's one thing I had brought because I played soccer and you know and and back then that's what the shorts were like too. They were fucking small. So they're coming back, dude. And I'm not doing it. But <laughs> no, I'm not doing it either. I'm not doing the baggy the better. Um, Thank for life. But anyway, so I had a, I had a I had a girlfriend back uh, the first. You know, she's was an exchange student from England. You know, we had girlfriends. What, what am I going to tell you? So I'd only been in like two weeks probably. So, uh, the the girl I was with at the time, she like knew all the local parties, and being the U of I, it was it was party town, right? So I'm like, oh, you know, what are we what are we doing? This is a Friday or Saturday night. I'm like, what are we doing tonight? And she goes, oh, I know this this club downtown is having a, is having a party. Um, they're closing off the street behind it, and there's going to be kegs. And so if you just had to hear the word keg back then, and you were there, right? That was that was the big deal. So two bucks can drink, right? Yeah. So she's like, okay, okay. I'm like, okay, that sounds great. So it's hot as hell, but I'm a punk rocker. So what am I gonna do? So I, I'm <laughs> talking about Billy Idol. I'm just wearing a leather jacket. I don't have a shirt on. I'm just wearing oh. a leather jacket <laughs> and these little fucking shorts, right? Now wow. she did like the Fonz when he literally jumped the shark on <laughs> she, that episode, right? What she didn't tell me was uh, wait, boots too. Huh? No, no. <laughs> Hopefully, you know, gym shoes, whatever, Converse probably. But what she didn't tell me was this club that had the street blocked off of the party was the gay club. It was Chester Street. Um, Meanwhile, you look like an outcast member of the YMC of, of the um, village uh, people. Village yeah. People. So I go around the corner, you know, where we go, we're going to pay. And I'm like, this is weird. There's not many girls here. And I, I swear, the only girls there were my girlfriend and then, like, the old lady that, that must have owned the place. There was, like... Well, the- Good news is there wasn't a lot of guys hitting on your girl. <laughs> no, Jesus. But there was the, the full-on... The news was you, they, you had to beat them off with a stick. <laughs> Basically. I mean, it was, there was, you know, it was the full-on leather scene, right? There was, like, guys with the mustaches and the caps and all that kind of stuff. But I have to, everyone was very friendly. And uh, we, we didn't have to pay for any beer. I was say, it's the only time in your life you get free drinks, right? <laughs> no, everyone, everyone was actually exceedingly cool. But, it's, uh, it's I remember when you and my buddy went to, went to Toronto and... Uh, we were actually going to like see the Blue Jays, and we didn't really know where we were going. And we just went out and we just got hammered, right? And they have leather jacket with no shirt. <laughs> well, no, but we just we kept going to the bars that we thought were like sports bars, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. And but we were in—I don't know what they call the district there, but we were in the gay district. We didn't, we didn't know whatever it didn't matter. We didn't even know. Right. And then you know you start on the light of day, you start looking at the 
the names of the bar, and they all have like these sort of ambiguous like sports bar names. The manhole or something. <laughs> well, it's like sneakers. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, or stuff like that. And, and listen, it was fine. We had a great time. But it was it was definitely one of those. In the light of day, it was like, oh yeah. Yeah. But apparently, we weren't that desirable because we had minimal minimal men hitting on us. So, <laughs> so. we had we had to buy our own drinks for the most part. So anyway, it was all good. It was fun. Um, it was many many years ago. We actually went to. So the famous, uh, oh, I, I, I can't think of his name right now. The the, the famous uh, baseball announcer of the the famous voice of the Detroit Tigers was a guy named Ernie Harwell. Hmm. Don't know. You probably never heard of him, but he mm-hmm. was famous. He, he's as famous in Michigan as Harry Carey is in Illinois. Okay. And it was such a legend. So we actually went to the last game he ever announced, which was the Tigers playing in Toronto, and uh, it was pretty cool because they actually like piped it in over the. Over the loudspeaker, it was it was cool. It was a you know a little bit of a baseball geek moment. Like I said, I, I haven't really been good about following sports lately. Like the last few years, I just kind of faded away. But um, I was a big baseball fan growing up. So anyway, it was cool. Okay, I should play a song. On that you note. should play a song. Yes. You what was should, I gonna what, play? Uh, oh, do you want gangry? No a verbal abuse. What are you gonna do? So we're gonna do a bad Canadian because we're speaking of Canada, right? I was in Toronto. Yes, Canada. That's right. Yes, good good segue. So, the the. The best Canadian punk band, or the, at least the best known Canadian punk band, is DOA, right? I mean, they're like, DOA is like Canada's Ramones and, uh, you know, Dead Kennedys. Yeah. Rolled up into one. Yep. But they're, they're, but ultimately they're Canadian. So they love hockey and they love beer. And they covered fellow Canadians, uh, Bachman Turner Overdrive, the song Taking Care of Business. Really a song that, pretty much epitomizes everything that was wrong with 70s rock Mm -hmm. so let's listen to doa do bachman turner overdrives doa doing bto taking care of business hey is there a fly in here i don't
there you go. DOA what you with... What do you think about that, Neil? You like that little piano riff in there? You dancing in your seat? DOA with uh, TCB. Um, the taking care of business thing, that's an Elvis thing, right? That was like yeah. Elvis's... That's... That was, his band, right? was it taking care of business band? No, it just went... All his, all his entourage all had the TCB logo with uh, like the uh, lightning bolt or whatever that was their, that was their saying. Like a backup band or something. No, no, no. Hmm. No, that was just their... I am uh, club. I'm not the world's biggest Elvis fan. I was always, what was that Quentin Tarantino said, right? You could be, you can either, you can either be an Elvis fan or a Beatles fan. I guess at the end of the day, I'm more of a Beatles fan, just because I like the band aesthetic always more than the, you know, the glamorous front man in white leathers. Coming <laughs> back to the leather thing again. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you ever, uh, you ever been to Memphis to Graceland? Yes, I have. So you actually went into Graceland? Yes. So we were down there a few years ago with the kids, and we did not go in because it was like fifty bucks a piece or something. Oh yeah, it's like a, it's like going to an amusement park or something. Yeah, it's like the full like airplane hangers and all that. It's like a hundred bucks. Yeah, but my kids just didn't care enough. You know, like if it was just my wife and I, I think I probably would have paid it because it would have been interesting. Like I, I think it'd be interesting, but yeah, but we don't want to pay for all the kids to get in. So we just kind of like stood on the gate and stood around the like fence and hopped up. And it is in a horrible neighborhood. Yeah, it's it's funny. Yeah, um, I was there I in the eighty. The neighborhood. I wonder what that neighborhood. Wonder what that neighborhood. Please. I was I was there in eighty four. I think something like that. It was a long time ago. Um, we were on the our other, way down to New Orleans, and we we stopped we stopped the there in Memphis. It's exactly the same thing we did. Yeah, because it's about halfway. I yep. would love to go back. Actually, it was a lot of fun. Beale Street and all that. And I yep. did not go to Sun Studios. So if I get back down, if we drive back down that way, I gotta go check out Sun Studios. Even though those old studios usually are very small and usually not you know nearly as impressive as you hope right also and see, see the motown studios which is like these two tiny houses where they record all those amazing amazing supremes records and all that stuff so and it's not even like if you went to the sun studios and bought a t-shirt like that would be anything unusual because you can buy sun studios t-shirts at every fucking sure. probably your gas station actually if you go to that gas station to buy your beer and your cassette thing you can buy there a you you can buy a Sun, a Sun uh, Studios I, shirt, you know. We'll buy your Jeebies t-shirt at the... Uh, exactly, like, uh, exactly. Outfitters. Yeah. <laughs> and an exclusive color of the uh, CBGB soundtrack on vinyl. That uh, that's such a weird that's such a weird movie. I mean, that's we'll do we'll do punk rock actually, movies on another episode. All the way I actually love it because the Dead Boys are uh, <laughs> the Dead Boys are uh, you know prominently featured in that, so I actually love it for that. But the fact that one of the guys from the Harry Potter movies plays Cheetah Chrome is just the funniest thing ever. You know, I just think that's hysterical. The Weasley, the redhead. Yeah, Ron Weasley. Yeah, plays Cheetah Chrome. Yeah, I think Potter. that's hysterical, and I can't think of who played Stiv, but uh, you know, they the Dead Boys were. But the funniest thing about that dude is the fact that you know they obviously obviously had to have the Ramones in it. Yeah. But they obviously couldn't get the rights to any Ramones music. Yeah. So they I mean, have the soundtrack is lame actually. So they have the Ramones in seventy six, seventy seven at CBGBs, and they're doing stuff from the Joey Ramone solo album because <laughs> that must be the only thing they had rights to. Uh, Which is fucking weird as hell, right? That's just. I, I tried. I, I just. It wasn't like I turned it off because I didn't. I thought it was awful. The style of it was very different. But I just. Yeah, I did not get through it. I was watching it somewhere else or something, and I just well, it, never came home. And fin- well, it's, it's funny. It was one of those movies that is like it couldn't decide what it wanted to be. Was it a comedy, or was it 
like, uh, like but, 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 yeah but I'm, I'm saying i mean it shouldn't have been because that's not really a funny story it should have been the story of the club and the story of hilly crystal you don't think all, those all those people being dead now is funny <laughs> funnily enough no and uh <laughs> so i mean it should have been a straight retelling i don't know why they felt like they had to make it funny it was just kind of weird like that so i mean i enjoy it i enjoyed it a lot but um Huh. It was just a. It was unusual. It wasn't what I expected going in at all. You know, I haven't made it through that Stiv doc either. That you, that uh, I made it halfway through and I haven't finished it, it. It's not that great, is it? I mean, I was hoping it's, it was going to. Okay. I was hoping it was going to be yeah, amazing. It doesn't, it doesn't focus on the CBGB sort of dead boy stuff that you maybe hope it would. I don't know. I, I thought it was okay, but it was definitely more of an overview well, of his whole life rather than just focusing on kind of what you'd hope i think well I th- but i think you've got to fit i mean that's it w- that would be like doing a documentary on johnny rotten and not mentioning the sex pistols it was just odd i mean it okay, de- so, you know, i'm not all the way through it yet because i was kind of thinking like the second half was going to be real dead boys heavy but it was not no it's no not at all i mean it's mm-hmm. al- it's almost all his either his solo albums like or after. or after he moved to Paris or whatever. There's a whole ton of stuff about that, but the Dead Boys, which is really why people know who the hell Steve Bates even is, the Dead Boys hardly get a mention in that. It was just real. Oh, the Lords of the New Church, even you know, they get like two minutes. It's it's just very. Who it was because we've stolen his image for our podcast. Shh, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. Oh, that's who that is. Right. That's actually you. You didn't know that. It's me. Yes. <laughs> it's me on the drums behind him. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's next? What songs next, Neil? Um. We'll play a couple songs. We'll read a couple of these letters. We talked about the T-shirt thing. Yeah, let's. Uh, what, what? What's your next tune? Look, we're, doing bus- we're doing our business in front. We're, bl- we're breaking kayfabe, and we're doing our business right in front of everybody. What are you doing? Breaking the third wall, or whatever the hell it's called. There you go. Yeah, um, I'm going to do a Clash song. There's, like, there's no walls, Neil. There's no walls here. No this, walls this, here. This is punk rock. We're right, like the audience, just mingle among us. Like if you walked into my. Pillow Fortress of Solitude right now, I'd throw a mic in front of you and a pair of headphones. And yeah, throw, throw a pillow at me is what you would do by the sound. Gabba, gabba, we accept you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you end up at my place, I don't think we need to both record from the Pillow Fortress of Solitude. It might just get awkward. Yes, that, that it might be. It sounds a little <laughs> awkward, yes, for sure. Um, so I'm going to do this. The Clash were well known um, for doing reggae covers right i mean police and thieves is probably the most famous one off the first off the first album but they did they did the covers i mean shit sandinista is there's any number of police on my back there's any number of covers on that mess of a of a triple album well, they right did, like i fought the law right they did i fought the law that's that's actually right that's probably their most famous and then off london calling you got brand new cadillac which is a great song um, so they're well known. By? I guess I didn't. I don't know who that. No, uh, it is. It is originally by an English rocker called Vince Taylor. Okay. So uh, yeah, um, not a lot of people know that. Not a lot of people know that. Mm. Um, but I am going to do probably my favorite Clash cover. Probably, actually, it's probably my favorite cover of all time. So this is the Clash with uh, "Pressure Drop," which was a B-side, and uh, you can find it also on that famous ten-inch of theirs. Um, which, what the hell is that 10-inch thing called? Black Market Clash? Black Market, thank you very much. God, my mind went a blank there. Yes, Black Market Clash, which is probably one of the most famous 10-inch singles, of uh, 10-inch EPs of all time. So, yeah, so this is The Clash with pl- Pressure Drop off of, uh, yeah, Black Market Clash. <laughs>
There you go, Joe and the boys there with uh, with pressure drop. And uh, was that originally by? Do you already say? Um, is it Toots and the Maytals? I think. Hmm. Um, did the original of that, and it's one of those ones where I actually prefer the uh, the cover to the original, uh, probably because I've heard it so much more. But um, I absolutely love that song. It just gets me, just gets me every time I hear it. Um, hmm. And, you know, Black Market Clash, uh, there's some good stuff on there. There's some stuff that doesn't need to be on there. Like, it's a, it's a, it's B-sides, basically, right? B-sides and uh, stuff that never made it anywhere else. And some of the stuff, especially because they re-released it a few years ago, I think maybe for Record Store Day or something, with even extra tracks, like B-sides. I was going to say, I think I have, like, a CD version that's called, like, Super Black Market yeah. Clash or something. Yeah, Super and Black Market definitely Clash. definitely, like... You know, more than a full album's worth of material, I think. Yeah, it's that one. See, the original one just had, like, B-sides. some cool stuff on it, but like you said, yeah, it's a mixed bag. Yeah, the original one had, like, B-sides up to up to London Calling, singles up to London Calling. But that Super Black Market Clash has some, like, B-sides from uh, from Combat Rock and stuff. Some of those singles, like Should I Stay or Should I Go, some of the B-sides mm. of that, which are god-awful. So, um... I, I always... My impression of The Clash was always that they got so big, so fast and they were so critically acclaimed that they never had anybody around them to say hey you know maybe you shouldn't make a triple album maybe some of these songs aren't really album worthy right you know kind of like you get like a martin scorsese or something who's like everybody worships as a director and it's like uh dude you know maybe you could cut 10 minutes out of this four hour 10 minutes they should have cut like an hour off off that the irish they should have cut an hour out of that sarcastic obviously but you know what i'm you know what i'm saying once it's like once you reach a certain level of success or like we were talking about the dancing sings elvis album there's nobody with a clear head can listen to this and go oh man this is really good this is really good but when you have enough success or you become enough of a cult hero that you can surround yourself with yes people Mm -hmm. you know and i think i think that I, i always that was my impression of the clash now i haven't really read extensively about it or i don't know anything about it but Man, by the time they got to Sandinista, unless they were just trying to screw with the record label. Well, they were given free reign in the studio to basically yeah. do whatever the fuck they wanted, and it shows, right? It really shows. Yeah, yeah there was very little um, very little control, and like Joe was doing his stuff, and Mick was doing his stuff, so they both had to have an equal amount of stuff on there, which is one of the reasons why it's so damn long. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just... Uh, even though you know I've grown to love it over the years, but man, if it wasn't by the Clash, that wouldn't that would have been panned. You know what I mean? That is, oh, that's is an interesting thing, isn't it? Well, and like I, you know, we were we were talking about that Corkily album. Yes, Corrikey. Yeah, or oh, however you say it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the new fucking Ian McKay bullshit. The yeah. new Ian McKay thing. I think you know, like, and I, I like I said, I think we probably talked about this last week, so forgive me. But if Ian McKay wasn't attached to this thing, nobody would listen to it in the punk rock world. Yeah, he'd make fun of it. I mean, it's it's coffee house music, right? Exactly, and, and if you like that, that's fine. I'm not anti coffee. Actually, I am anti coffee house music. I'm not listening to it, but but if you want to listen to it, that's fine. But it, it's this is you know, it's just I think a lot of people just worship him so much, and and for good reason. You know, he he listened. The guy's one of the Godfathers, no question. But man, this is this is not. That doesn't make his new stuff or like I said, the later Fugazi stuff. That doesn't make it good. Well, yeah, and I would I would challenge that. That you know, one of the punk rock things was was no idols, whatever, right? Kill your idols. Yeah. Um, and let's face especially, it, especially among like the minor threats generation, because like we were kind of mentioned earlier, that 77 class, they still, as much as they wanted to do their own thing, they musically were heavily influenced by the early rock and rollers. Right. But yeah, by the time you got to the hardcore in 82, it was like, yeah, destroy everything. They were bagging on the Ramones, bagging on the clash, bagging on the pistols. 
my point would be though that I was going to make is that I like Ian McKay. Yeah, I love Minor Threat, classic. But since then, I mean, it's, it's been it's been forty it's been forty years since then. And I'm sorry, Kariki or Evans or whatever the fuck they're calling or some of the Fugazi stuff. You know, this might be sacrilege to some, but I couldn't give a rat's ass. You know, it's not the first it's just not Fugazi. good. It's not it's not good. You like the first couple of Fugazi albums or none of that either? Okay. Like, me, like, the meandering you know. to me, the meandering. And if again, if it wasn't Ian McKay, would you have given it a second thought if it wasn't Ian McKay? Um, yeah, it's hard to say. But I, I just, for some reason, those first couple, like Repeater and 13 Songs and all that stuff, I, I think that stuff's pretty good. And I'm sure there's people throwing shit at the uh, at the radio right now with me saying that, but I'm just, you know. That would be I, funny because we're not really on the radio, so. <laughs> I guess you could. I guess you could put smash it if to the radio. If we make you angry, smash your television. Yeah, smash your television. There you go. Like it. Um, how did we get onto that? I don't know. Oh, I know. Yeah, we were talking about the clash with Sandinista, and there's no one to tell them that they shouldn't do it. And if it wasn't the clash putting out Sandinista, if that had just been some band from Bradford, um, they would have been. They would never have been talked about. It would never have been even made uh, it out. Probably. Nobody would let them make a triple album either. Right. Right. So, true enough. My turn again, right? Um, yes, because I just played the Clash, right? So that's how that came up. So yes, you, it's it's, it's your choice, my friend. So actually, I'm gonna move into the American hardcore era, which I always loved that because these hardcore bands would cover like an old rock and roll song or like a '70s rock song or something, but they'd always change it slightly, and I doubt any of them ever paid royalties to those original artists. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm sure they didn't. Yeah. So let's do verbal verbal abuse. A band I love. They're from Southern California somewhere. They did one class. They did a couple classes. Eh, one real classic album is called Just an American Band, and they cover and they change it a little bit, but they cover the great great Grand Funk Railroad song. We're an American band is the title track. So this is verbal abuse. Just an American band.
there it was. Um, verbal there abuse. Just an American band. Second thoughts about whether or not that's actually what the song is called. Oh, where is it? We're an American band or something like that? Could be. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the, the original album, uh, the original song. So, verbal abuse, that's got the singer who was in um, Sick Pleasure originally, I believe, Nikki yep. Sicky, correct? And I know them because they were uh, basically the same band with a different singer as one of my favorite hardcore bands, Code of Honor. So they were at least the one album, Code of Honor on one side, Sick Pleasure on the other side. And then Nikki Sicky left to form Verbal Abuse and was in Verbal Abuse for what one album or something like that? I'm not sure. Because I know, I know he left, right? Verbal Abuse continued, but with a different singer, yeah, I believe. Different. Yeah, I think that yeah. was the only full length he did. Yeah, because the next one was called... VA rocks your liver, or verbal abuse rocks your liver, and I believe the title track for Rock Your Liver was actually "We Will Rock You," the Queen song. Oh dear! So, so they just call it American Band. Oh, I see. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now from '84 off the verbal 84. abuse, and whoever did that, I assume that's supposed to be George Bush. Is it on the on the cover of that? That like oh, bad wow. bad sketch. I never thought that, but maybe. I mean, no, that would have been Reagan era still, right? I. Yeah, but he was his vice president, right? I mean, that's who it kind of looks like. Maybe it's just a coincidence, right? Maybe it's a coincidence. Let me look. I don't know about that. Yeah, I'm probably making that. I'm probably reading too much into that. Whatever whatever it is, it's really badly done. (laughs) Good God. But that's another album that's been reissued by uh, Beer City. I got got the new pressing of it. It's good stuff. Uh, yeah, originally um, originally it was on Foul Records from 84. Let's see how much that goes for. Oh, you can't even get it. It's not even available on uh, Discogs. Hmm. Um, hey, I got, a, I got an update. I, I've been complaining about having some records caught up between... Oh, yeah. So in here, I, they've reached Detroit, which is east of where they oh. came from, so I don't, or east of me from where they came from. But nevertheless, they're moving. It appears that I'm getting them. I did that thing again where I freaked out and made like three orders this week. So, wow. I'm, so maybe uh, so if they're in Detroit, maybe you'll get it by uh, by by oh. August, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. But yeah, I've I've been discogging heavily lately. I don't know about yourself, but. dude. I tell you what, I'm I'm still waiting to. Most of the stuff has come. I'm just still waiting for two singles coming from England, and I haven't ordered anything recently. But one thing I tried to order last night, and this really pisses me off. Listen, people, I don't know, like anyone's listening to this, but if you're gonna sell something on Discogs or on eBay, and you put in a price, and you say or make offer. If you're bothering to say or make offer, then that suggests to me that you are willing to bargain on the price. So if Did someone, you get rejected, Neil? Yeah. If, if someone comes in with a reasonable offer, then either fucking accept it or, or you know, we'll, we'll bargain about it or something. But don't just flat out reject it. What is the point of putting, well, the point of putting of all offer? There's no, like, ability to negotiate. If you offer them a lower price and they don't take it, then you cannot make a second offer. And there's no counter offer or anything like that. Yeah, but they can reach out to you with an yeah, email or something, yeah. which 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 has happened to me before or something. But I mean, it's almost like they were insulted that I made an offer. They wanted fifty bucks for something, which just seemed ridiculous for an album, and uh, I offered like thirty-five or something, which I thought was very. It's not like I offered them five bucks. You know what I mean? But but you also don't know. The problem is you don't know intent. So they might have sat there and go, oh, man, should I take this thing? Like, oh, I think I'd get more than that. I'm not going to take it. You're taking it as they're like, screw you, old man. We're not taking your $35. You know what I mean? So it's hard to say. 
So you you might be kind of projecting a little bit there. Well, that's, I, well, the the decline came through probably within two minutes. So, uh, so it seemed like you know, they, they tortured themselves over it for too long. Well, it seemed like the, if you got a if you got a, a price in mind, then make that the price of the goddamn album. Well, you yeah, but I mean? they'd rather some sucker pay fifty bucks for it, Neil. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. And the same thing, the same thing on eBay too. I've, I've, I've had that before, you know. But at least on eBay, sometimes they can come back and make a counter offer and shit like that, or you can make a second or third offer, I believe. But you know what else I noticed too, that I'm assuming because of Discogs, like you used to be able to find a lot of vinyl on eBay, but now on eBay, if you look for vinyl, there's very, very little. Because I, I imagine everyone's selling stuff on Discogs these days. So few of the uh, labels still seem to use eBay and yeah. Well, even even Amazon used to be a great place to buy music from multiple sellers, but it's kind of gone away. Well, the problem with eBay, I mean, with Amazon is it doesn't always say where the record store you're buying it from is. No. Like I thought I was buying a Creepshow album from from uh, the U.S. or Canada, and it turned out it was coming from Yugoslavia. And it mm. took and it took eight weeks. So you know, I, if I'd have known that, I wouldn't have bought the damn thing. But I've, uh, I've also had trouble with my records coming from Amazon being a little on the. Uh, I'm not saying like so warped you can't play them, but not very flat. Yeah, yeah. And so, so and the and Discog sellers te- seem to be much better about packing that stuff. So hey, you wanna you wanna read a couple letters? Um, sure. Yeah, that would be good because we've actually got we actually got a lot of mail in the week, didn't we? Over since the last time we did a show, we've yeah, we got a bunch of in, shit. Quite deep into this thing already. Yeah. Um, um but yeah, I, I got a I got a short one here. Let's see if I can find it. Well, we've had one guy. We've got what was that guy? The Burt guy. We've been exchanging like private record uh, record uh, recommendations with, which is kind of funny. Josh Burke. Oh, here we go. Here's a short one, y'all. I'm going to read the short one. Go ahead. Just found your podcast and really enjoyed it. Next time you're in town, have Matt point you to Emilio's. He's talking about Matt Swisher, our buddy from the record firm. If you haven't been, awesome ribeyes. I'll definitely be there if you do a live cast from the state someday. See, I want to do it. We're gonna we're talking about the record store itself, which is much smaller, but that's all right. In Logansport, so Indiana. To those Logansport, Indiana. Know. The yep. center of the Midwest now. The center of our <laughs> Apparently. Holy shit. Yeah. So that was from from Dan and Logansport. So oh, that when you said short, you weren't joking. <laughs> well, you know, some of it's a little personal information. I don't need to give us personal, but you know, listen, I'm not opposed to a good ribeye, so maybe we'll have to find out Emilio's when we're down there. Okay, Emilio's. And I know we got something from our from a guy in a, a Seattle. It's got kind of an interesting perspective based on all the craziness that's going on you want to read that one or you sure yeah i got it i've got it yeah so yeah this is a this is a new i don't know if he's a new listener but he's that's the first time he's writing in he says hey fellas um i got turned on to your show through the punk news podcast of which tom was my favorite part the occasional letters from liverpool neil thank you were always a highlight as well so i knew i'd be a fan of punk till i die and i was right it's honestly my favorite podcast, and I can't quite put my finger on it, but listening to you guys talk, either with or without a guest, is entertaining as fuck. Well, thank you very much, sir. We appreciate that. Is, that. that is super nice. Yeah. Age-wise, I'm right between you two and gravitate towards the earlier stuff, but you guys have turned me on to some newer, i.e. post-1995 stuff as well. That's also what we consider newer, so... Yeah. <laughs> but actually, no, that makes me really happy because that is one of my f- main reasons—not main reasons, but one of the one of you know one of the reasons I wanted to do this show was to show older guys that you know there are there is a lot of good new music out there that you could listen to, and uh, you know don't always just get stuck in your seventy-seven and, and, and or eighty-two. And you do that by what? playing songs from nineteen seventy-eight for them. 
Yeah, but a couple weeks ago, I played a whole bunch <laughs> of new shit. So. Yeah, I know you are. Stop it. I know. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. No, Stop I it. Keep going. No, I know you are. Um, <laughs> anyway, I just wanted to say keep up the good work. Uh, like Tom, I'm an indust- essential industry. He owns an environmental testing lab. Jesus, mm-hmm. that's that's impressive. It sounds right. It sounds impressive anyway, right? I don't even know quite what he does, but the stress of running a company during a pandemic sucks, and you guys are a great relief. Well, that's nice, too. Um... The, the, At the end, he talks about how he's in Seattle. Which is yeah. Of, At least yeah. they still make booze. That's all I got to. Di- that's all <laughs> yeah, I got to say. Yeah. He invented. I I love this bit, Tom. And you know, this is kind of a rib on you, but it's funny. He invented a drinking game that involves doing a oh, shot every right. time Tom says, "If we're being totally honest." Needless to say, I'm wrecked after listening to half an episode. <laughs> if we're being totally honest, that sounds like a fun game. Yeah. Well, oh, you could do it with the. Uh, what, what 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 else is it you say? Uh, the truth of the matter is, or something like that. Yeah. So he's wrecked after half an episode. You know, it's funny which is because funny. It, there's like, like when you, if you're getting interrogated by the cops or something, or or taking these psychological experiments, they say that everything you say after that is usually a lie. Like oh if you yeah, say, yeah. If we're being honest, usually, yeah. but I, I yeah. swear that's I, that's not the case with me. If it is, I'm lying subconsciously. Yeah. So he has a Subaru, of course he does, because he lives in he lives in Seattle. So of course he has a Subaru. <laughs> um, but he says he's going to plaster the stickers with it. So did did you send him some? I sure did. Okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Um, and he says, as a PS, he lives in Anarchy Land uh, with that autonomous zone where basically mm. the, the, the police... What is what is the deal with that? The police don't go in there or something like that? Cause, but he says it's not Antifa. He says it's a bunch of old white hippies. <laughs> but they've gentrified the area like always and stolen away. Okay. Um... Uh, I don't know. Done a bunch of other stuff, but anyway, thank you for writing in. We really, we really appreciate it, and uh, good luck with on-site envir- environmental, which I, whatever the hell you do, you know. But keep on listening to the I, podcast, uh, and thanks a lot. Appreciate do you have it. A, do you have a sticker on the back of your car yet, Neil? One of our stickers? Yes. No, someone keeps ripping off. Like I, I had Apple stickers on my car, and people keep ripping them off. Uh, so I'm really? not, I'm not gonna put a. Yeah, I think they just do it at work, just to fuck with me. Some of the PC guys do it just to fuck with me. Because <laughs> you're a Mac guy. Yeah, because <laughs> I'm a Mac funny. guy. Um, but no, they, I have, they, I haven't put one on the back your, of my car. From your favorite soccer club, but they don't know what it means. You know what? I, I, I put one by my favorite bar, and uh, I when I yesterday when I noticed they painted over it, that made me feel kind of bad. <laughs> 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 well, I have one on the back of my car. I'll take a picture of it sometime. Yep. And I'll, I'll ask other people to show me where they stuck theirs. I. Uh, I yeah, also, yeah, we'll yeah we'll put them on the site. That's a good idea. Have have people post in uh, right in with where they put their stickers, and we'll put them up on the uh, on the page. I also have a sloppy seconds like license plate ring. You know those things like you put around your license plate, like or like car dealerships put around. Yeah, I've got a social D one. Yeah. Yeah, I got a I got a sloppy seconds one. So I want to sort of show that off. I don't really want everybody to know my license plate number. Just in case they find like videos of me going blackface for Halloween and decide to dox me or something, and if they had my license plate number, that seems like it would be really harmful, right? Are you sure this didn't happen, Tommy? You've mentioned it a yes. lot today. <laughs> so I actually have dressed up as a teenager, uh, but no, I, I just like I said, I just think it's weird that we have this we've created this culture where we're all sitting around like trying to report on one another. You know, it yeah. really is some weird Orwellian stuff. I tell you what. I tell you what. Since we, since the last episode, or was it forty nine? Yeah, it was forty nine. Yeah, it was forty nine when I played new stuff. I played like territories and uh, and stuff like that. I busted your ass about playing old stuff, but it's fine, you know. It's fine. No, no, I bring it up because we've had at least two or three people write in that say they really love territories. So I, 
I thought that was interesting that of all the new of all the stuff that we've played recently, Territory seemed to be a big hit with people. It's funny actually because I have a pretty uh, I'm friendly with somebody who works at Pirates Press, and I was actually thinking about reaching out and seeing if we could get somebody from Territory. So I might I, we might actually see if we can get somebody from Territories on. So I think that would they be a, like, that would they be good. In Canada, but not like Toronto. Like you know, Canada is this huge country that's like. Everybody lives like right by the United States border, and then there's like this vast wilderness, and I think they're out in the vastness. Oh shit! Really? So, huh. let me also see what I can do. Well, that's like Australia. Uh, that's like Australia, right? Everyone lives around the coast. Like nobody lives in the middle of that fucking huge continent, right? But it, I mean, it's like a 200 million person country or something, and 100 million of them live within, you know, 50 miles of America. So, I mean, it's like the, the Toronto area or whatever. I, and I'm sure I've got that those numbers wrong, but in like everyone's like around Toronto and Ontario. <laughs> so. So okay, is it your, you play you play one more song, Neil? And I got one more one more letter I can read, but I'll have you play the song first. Okay, I was gonna I was torn. I was gonna do um, I was gonna do "Wonderful World" by Joey Ramone, just because that's such a wonderful song and it's such a wonderful cover. But I'm not gonna do that because it'll make everybody sad. So instead, I'm gonna play a now the Ramones. Of course, were known for their covers. They always they, you know they did covers. Yeah, yeah, they did a lot of covers. Um, I'm going to do kind of a lesser known one because it was off one of the later albums, which, you know, a, a lot of people didn't really get into their um, their later albums that much. Um, I am going to do uh, Palisades Park, hmm. which I believe was off of, uh, was it off of Brain Drain, maybe? Um, hold on a second. Later, later albums. Let me, let me look. Yeah, it was off of, it was off of Brain Drain. So, um, now Palisades Park, who wrote that originally? Think of talk about amongst yourselves I for a second not, i actually do not know uh oh that's good i typed in palisade spark because that's because i can type like i type like, like I'm retarded. yeah for a man with slender fingers you are a terrible typist my friend <laughs> well see in england we didn't learn to type okay it's by freddie cannon from like 1962 um wow, that doesn't ring a bell at all no well, it was probably one of his only hits or something like that but yeah um so palisades park from 1962 the ramones covered it on, on brain drain and uh and here it is I wish you win, I gave that girl love In the dollar 
So there was the Ramones with Palisades Park from the album Brain Drain, which has probably the worst album cover of any Ramones album, wouldn't you agree? Oh, come on. What do you think is worse than that? It's like that bad, like, looks like a nightmare kind of sketch or something. That's what just about the cover, Ramones covers album? What? Acid what? Eaters. Oh, the, yeah, that's awful too, but at least the band is on it. Like, yeah. like Brain Drain is just this weird like piece of artwork it's just it's just well, you know, weird I, I i know this is an unpopular opinion but i always really like the brain drain album i do too I no i like I it a lot it's very inconsistent but like the first couple songs are like what zero zero ufo and i can't remember what they were uh zero what the name what the first is that the one What's where that? he does a thing with uh oh it's i believe in miracles right i believe in miracles yeah another yeah. great one zero zero ufo don't bust my chops Pet cemetery Yep, Pen at Pet Cemetery. Yep, Learn to Listen, yeah. Kick. It's actually a great album. Oh, it's got, yeah, Merry Christmas, I don't want to fight tonight. Come it's back, got that baby. weird later Ramones production that's not as appealing, but it's cool. Yeah, no, it's just some great songs on there. I mean, seriously, so, just like we were talking about earlier about The Clash, you know. Um, If it wasn't The Ramones, if this was a new punk band that put out this album, Brain Drain, they would, have, they would be raved about. But because it was the Ramones, and by that time everybody was over the Ramones, you know. I mean, you had to you had to be there in like the late '80s, early '90s. I'd be the only person buying a Ramones album. Like they only they might only get like one copy of the vinyl in, and I'd get it, and like nobody else seemed to care. They just laughed at me for still being into the Ramones. So that's kind of how it was back the then. The funny thing is, those are the ones that are those weird albums in that time frame are the ones that are actually worth the most money. Yeah, because they made so few vinyl copies of them. Right, like yeah, adios, like a, a, adios, a, amigos, and mondo bizarro. Yeah, yeah, they go for like 150 bucks if you can find them. Yep, yep. Pretty crazy, really, when you, you think about you it. Buy a beautiful new press of you know like the first four for like 22 bucks or something. Yeah, or less. Yeah. So uh, anyway, yeah, that was the Ramon you, you know, the funny thing, the one I don't have on vinyl, the only one I don't have on vinyl of the early ones is the first album. Huh? It's just I just haven't picked it up. I just I just need to do that. If the record stores reopen, my record stores are 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 not really reopening. There's one of them that's open, but it's kind of like the general old man rock store, and it's a cool place. I don't mind going there, mm-hmm. but like the store that I go to, my store is is not open. Well, I so. see some some of the ones down here, like the one uh, Bucket of Blood. Yeah, yep. you have to make an appointment to go in. Hmm. They're still doing that, huh? So, yeah, they're doing that, and they maybe allow three people in the store at a time or something like that. So at least they're open, but, uh, yeah, it's it's a, it's a little but the bit pro- The problem odd. is, it's like, okay, and I know we're just being babies about it because I just want to go over there and shop around a little bit because that's what record shopping is. It's, you know, pawing through things, right? Yeah, yeah. So we're being a baby. I'm being a baby about it. The problem is we. it is so convenient to have this stuff delivered to your door. I hope this doesn't – I think this might have a negative effect on record shops more than people in – yeah, agreed. People are going to be reminded how easy it is to shop from home. Because what do you do on Discogs? You just you go through a seller like, oh, they got something I want. So you just kind of scroll through it. You know I mean? You can sit there for hours. Right, which and it's we do. it's the closest thing we have to record shopping. Right. I don't know. I just feel like, okay, you make an appointment. It's a weird – it puts a weird pressure on you. Like you have X amount of time. Right. Which is weird. And plus like – like if you're gonna make an appointment, you're gonna go buy some stuff, right? You're well, like, yeah, you're we, not gonna make an appointment and then waste the, waste somebody's time. Yeah, you feel indebted to buy something then, and probably I mean, something I always expensive. I buy something anyway. I mean, I went to a record store when, you know, that first time I talked about going down in Indiana. They did not have a lot of stuff I was interested in, but I still felt the need to buy some stuff. It's like, well, I hung around the store for a half hour, and well, I'm, I know other people don't necessarily feel that. But 
on the I fact, thought something was cool. It was all good. But. When the fact is, too, I think we got to wear a mask if you go in there, and I, I, I do. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm well, not that's... completely anti-mask, but I don't want to yeah. be in a record store for an hour, you know, having to wear. I don't well, know. And, but and the thing, the thing with the mask thing is, listen, I, I, I you know, people want us to wear them, and it's a social media thing. It really is a lot of shaming going on if you're not wearing them, and that's fine. I just, I'm just not going to go places. You know what I mean? It's like I'm not looking to fight with people like about wearing a mask. It's just, you know, if I don't need to, I'm just not gonna, not gonna go to those places. Just because. Right. No, but, I you know, I, I really don't want to make other people uncomfortable. And I, I get it. it. Listen, if you sneeze and you have a mask on, it knocks the stuff down. I get that. And if you social distance and wear your masks, you know, it cuts down on the spread of the stuff a lot. But, you know, not sneezing on someone will also do those those same things. So it's uh, but anyway, it's become like this weird political thing. And I just don't even want I don't even want to get involved with it. You know, I, I so. Anyway. Well, how, well, well, how about this? If you if you're sick and you're sneezing, how about just don't go out? Yeah, don't stay well, in. Or, or like I said, the rest <laughs> of us are just going to kind of, well, and it's easy right now to kind of avoid going out to anywhere other than, you know, grocery stores and stuff. Dude, last week, but, la- last week when I was sitting outside at the Red Lion, so I'm drinking my pints and stuff and then having some chicken wings. And uh, part of one of the chicken wings, like, they, it, was, it was, they weren't super spicy, but they, they were kind of like the dry spice. And something got caught in the back of my throat. Oh, you started dry coughing, dude! I started dry coughing like crazy. You know when and when you get a tickle back there and you cannot stop coughing, but the people at the next table were like, they, <laughs> think like they, uh, I think they all fucking ran away. <laughs> and I kept saying as as well as I could, I'm not, I, I'm not coughing. I just have something caught in my throat. And I was like drinking beer as fast as I could. Uh, but man, it lasted like and you know it's like laughing at a funeral, right? It's like the more you think about it, the worse it gets and the more itchy oh, it gets. Yeah. So like then you just a tickle in your throat. Yeah. Oh that's boy, yeah, it's great. Yeah, good times, man. Good times, good weird times. times. But yeah, I mean, I, I do, I, you know, I am concerned about, you know, stepping, taking a step backwards as far as the progress of this stuff goes. But, yeah, no, man, for sure. how long can these places afford to be closed? Like the record store thing, for example. Granted, you know, Bucket of Blood, Vertigo Music, these places, they're selling Discogs, but it's only got to be a fraction of what they were doing before, right? Yeah, I mean, you had to be seeing this coming. I think you had to be really smart and immediately start making your stuff available online. That would be well, the only way you would survive, right? Not most, but a lot of them already were, you know, yeah. had been supplementing their income with that. Right. And also, you know, if the big places, you know, if you had 10, 12 employees, obviously you're saving that money. But, you know, still, you still got to pay your rent. You still got, once again, I, I realize that in the grand scheme of bad things going on in the world, this is a small thing. So I'm just complaining. Don't take me to task on it. I'm just complaining. No, but I mean, I, 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 I am I am on uh, Discogs is definitely one of my favorite websites now. I'm certainly on there numerous times a day, and it's funny. It's completely depending what I'm listening to at that minute. That's what I'll suddenly start looking for. You know what I mean? I like it's. Well, I, ha- I I have my want list, but you know, if if like I hear a Blondie song, I'll be like, oh, you know what? I don't have. I don't have that uh, that second Blondie album. Let me immediately go look for that, and that's what I'll buy. You know. I also do a lot of. Uh... It's like when I'm writing reviews now, that's become one of my go-tos for references. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's good for that shit, yeah. Even though they have the years wrong on a, on a lot of the stuff. Well, not, not the years, but months and stuff. Like they'll have like the oh. wrong thing first or something. Well, I don't you know? need to give that much detail. <laughs> oh, come on. You with Danzig albums? If they had the Danzig albums out of out of, <laughs> uh, out of of order, you'd be all angry about it. Well, I got to tell you, I was looking at those Danzig album bootlegs again because uh, uh, one of our... One of our uh, Listeners, John, who I speak to fairly regularly from Wisconsin, reached out and said, hey, I got those Danzig bootlegs. They're pretty good. So 
I found them for like 26 bucks. Dude, talking about bootlegs, I found this funny last night. So I was reading um, that last Henry Rollins book, um, that collecting book that he put oh, out yeah, last yeah, Christmas or whatever. Um, I was reading that last night before I went to sleep. And it just struck me as funny. Like he was like in, you know, he does these worldwide speaking tours or whatever the fuck he does. It's like 2016. He's in Ecuador for some reason, and he's yeah. a, he's in his hotel room and he's bored. So he saw someone had given him a link to some record company in Europe that was making like bootleg Teen Idols singles or something. Mm. Or like Ian McKay told him about it. So he took it upon himself to suddenly start writing to this record label in Germany, you know, accusing them of being thieves and stuff like that for putting out the Teen Idol stuff. And it and then they had like I guess they had like this long like letter kind of argument. Um, it wasn't even email. It, it seemed to be like he was sending real letters over, so you know he wouldn't. They'd be always knew Rollins was a narc. It, but it's just so funny if you think of Henry Rollins. Like anyone would not be Why interested would he have in the doing time that. For that? It, right? You, who would think that Henry Rollins would have the time to be scolding some small record label in Germany about them putting out a bootleg Teen Idol single or some other, you know, early Discord stuff? And you know, and this German label said, I don't know if I want, I don't know if I want to defend them, but they're like, well. If Discord would just make this stuff available again on vinyl, I wouldn't be doing this. But there's a market for it, so you know, I'm I'm making them kind of thing. Well, those so. especially Eastern. I think some of the Eastern European countries, especially, are doing a lot of that kind of stuff. Stuff that's yeah. out, of, out of print. You know, you go on Disc Guys, like, oh, it's available from the Russian Federation. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. There's some. Well, they how, have all these records that you can't get. I'm like, oh, interesting. Well, that's an interesting question. So, on Discogs, is there a country that you will not buy from, or do you only I, buy from the I US? I actually will only order from the USA. It takes okay. long enough as it is. That's 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 true. Um, and the shipping costs overseas are just crazy. I mean, I've obviously ordered from England. I've ordered from Italy. I've ordered from Spain, and I've ordered from Germany. Germany Italy was probably the best. Cool stuff that, Italy has some cool stuff that you can only get from Italy. I, yeah, I've been tempted. Yeah, but the, I mean, the Germans were really good. Their shipping was was amazing. Okay. It, it got here faster than most stuff I've ordered from the states. Um, but uh, yeah, if I saw someone coming up from the Russian Federation, there is not a chance in hell I would I would <laughs> order that. Um, yeah, there was, I, so there's these South American labels. That a lot of the metal, I you know, I love some thrash, right? I love me some thrash. And and some of the thrash albums, most all of them are available again here now. But some of the early thrash albums were not available here, but the labels up here would license them to the South American labels. Mm-hmm. So, like, on eBay, you could actually get, like, the South American versions of all these, like, classic thrash albums and even some newer thrash albums. And it was funny because you'd always read the reviews and some would be like, you can't even tell the difference between this and... You know the American version, and other people would be like, "Oh, you don't want this pressing or whatever." So I, I never, I never dared order anything wrong. Well, so what are we talking? Are we talking bootlegs? Or are we talking about just no, the press, I'm just a, just the real pressing, but it was from that country? Yeah, like they they're licensed by the label to this other South yeah. American gotcha. to press. Yeah, this. yeah. it's like uh, I I don't know if it's a completely different arrangement than like the record clubs had back in the day. You know, if you join Columbia House Record Club or. RCA Record Club or BMG or whatever, they made those. They made their own product. Hmm. They were licensed from the labels, and even though a lot of the artists will tell you that they were not getting paid properly on those, which is always interesting. But when I was a kid, like growing up in rural Wisconsin, man, I was a record club maniac. Five I albums would, for a dollar or whatever the fuck that was. So my obligation, and I would rejoin. Yeah. And then, unfortunately, I sucked at returning those stupid cards, so you know, you'd be like, oh, great, I got a aha two-pack of... <laughs> <laughs> records or whatever not only the one with the big hit take on me but also their follow-up 
Yeah, which nobody had ever heard before. But, but I mean, you would you even the stuff I was wanting to get, you would have been making fun of. You know, it was like you, you Lewis, Robert Plummer, and Phil Collins, and crap like that. I mean, I was just a young kid. You know, I was with you till the the Phil Collins thing. Um, yeah. No, so it's it's funny you mention that because the, the first Ramones album that you said you don't have, I actually have the first Ramones album, but it's the Portuguese pressing for some reason, and I have no idea why I have the Portuguese pressing of the Ramones first album, but I do. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, and what's interesting about it is, like, like you were just saying, they would sometimes they'd be remastered or repressed or whatever, right, in those countries. So supposedly, from what I understand, uh, the French version of LAMF by Johnny Thunders and the Heartbreakers is supposedly vastly superior to the U.S. or U.K. Or versions hmm. of those, because um, it was supposedly a different, it was it was a different mastering or a different. Uh, I don't know, it was, it, oh, it was a slightly different version or something, but supposedly, yeah, the French version and maybe the Italian version are supposedly far superior to the to the regular version that we all know and love. And supposedly the cassette version is a different mastering as well, and the cassette version of that album is supposed to be better, because that's one of the albums gone down in history as been, having been horribly produced. You know? It's funny, I have a later, like a later mix of it, and I don't, I'd have to look it up, because I have it on CD, I don't have it on vinyl. But it sounds pretty good, the one I have. But yeah. I know it was like a different, yeah, it was a different alternate mix or something. Yeah, but it was, it was like, actually, I think it's like two CDs and maybe like it has the original mix on one and maybe like the alternate version. I don't know, something. That's been reissued so many times with like the Lost yeah. 77 mixes and the alternate mixes and this, that, and the other. In fact, I think there was a box set a couple of years ago with like five different versions oh, of, I that, love that. of that shit. Yeah. I mean, they're almost as bad as the Pistols, right? They basically please only, give me five different versions of "Get Off the Phone." Yeah, they only they only had like fifteen songs or something like that. But <laughs> you've you've heard like thirty five different versions of of each one, yep. right? Yeah. Yep. Um, All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna do one more letter, Neil. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. Do another letter and then do another song. Yeah. And I'm gonna do one last song and then we'll probably sign off. Yep. Um. Hey lads, fan from north of the border, which is Canada. For those of you who don't know where we live. Love the podcast. I entered the punk genre in the early 2000s and dig your podcast for discovering. Now, check this out. Check this out, Neil. Dig your podcast for re- for discovering the roots. Zero Boys, the adverts, germs, x-ray specs, all discovered by me through Punk Till I Die. Oh, that's amazing. Who would have thought that, right? Right. I mean, love that, does, it. that does feel good, actually. It yeah. makes me very happy. Um, my favorite band is Bouncing Souls. I'd like to get your thoughts on them. I do like the Bouncing Souls. I like them. Don't love them. like their old stuff a lot. Um, feel good punk that always brightens my mood. Anyways, I love some stickers, blah, blah, blah. So, he's from Toronto, Ontario. What's his name? His name is Wesley. Hey, Wesley. Thanks for writing in, buddy. Yeah, thanks for writing in. Yeah, So, yeah, I I gotta go buy some more international stamps this week. So, if we have any other international listeners that are interested, hit me up quick before I... Before we run out my of international uh, stamps. Yeah, before we run out of stickers, right? So, and uh, yeah, and hopefully, like you, like you were saying earlier about the t-shirts, hopefully we will have. Hopefully, I will have the t-shirts in hand maybe tomorrow or by Wednesday at the latest. And most already spoken for, but I think we are going to have maybe a, at least a couple of most of the regular sizes that will be available. So, if you would like a t-shirt, right in. Well, not that I'm going to give it to you, but. Uh, <laughs> I mean, well, you know, like I say, maybe we can make it. Maybe we can make another. Ba- I mean, you know, we're, this is not something we're obviously. This is not not like a big money making scheme, but we can, you know, figure out what we need to get to. Yeah, I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll sell. So we're not losing, losing right. too much. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, you know, for like twenty bucks or something like that with ship. You know, that yeah. that the back covers what the uh, my printing cost was. So, um, but anyway, well, yeah. 
start getting them made in the thousands, then we can outsource it to China and have children make it. <laughs> then we can make some real profit. But until then, it's still still a pricey endeavor. So yeah. But anyway, yeah. So so this, my last song is uh, Gangrene, who I played before. I think I played twice. I think I did Alcohol and maybe. Another Wasted Night, which are both in the same album, Another Wasted Night. This came out in 86, and they actually covered a song that only came out like the year before, a great pop song by Till Tuesday called Voices Carry. So this is Gang Green from their Another Wasted Night album doing Voices Carry. Okay. 
voices carry, which it was funny until you had told me about that yesterday. Like till Tuesday, didn't didn't register with me at all. So, but then you know, when I when I when I listened to it, sure enough, I did I did recognize the song. I, I was it was it in a movie or something? I don't I don't remember, but it was it was big. Yeah, I mean it's one of those it's one of those classic like mid eighties sounding electronic things, right? I mean, I at first when it came on, I thought it was like Missing Persons or something like that because yeah, it's, it's it very has, much like, in that mode, like, right? Touch of new wave influence on the pure pop. Yeah, I mean you can one imagine the, the singer; she probably had like big poofy hair to one side like, with a like side short, shaved. Uh, yeah. Like the area yeah uh, kind of well that was that amy it was amy man wasn't it <laughs> she was till tuesday um but yeah kind of like a you know not so much different than like a berlin or something like that you know some of the yeah berlin missing persons yeah for sure it's your pop that was coming out at the same time yeah. so anyway yes so sir. let's get our parting what are our parting words here now what do we learn today our parting words were yeah if you go into a party at a gay club put a shirt on How's that? Exactly. Either of us <laughs> appeared black. And not tiny, and not tiny shorts. That's that yes, would. Exactly. Those are my uh, my parting words for that. Even though it was it was all it was all good times. That was a that was an amazing year actually. My my year down at uh, U of I, eighty three to eighty four when I was an exchange student. That was uh, that was a hell of a year. I have to I have to admit. In the words, in the words of Brian Adams, those were the best days of my life. <laughs> uh, yeah, they were days. All right. Damn. <laughs> Anyway, thanks for everybody for listening. Yep, we'll be we'll be back at you soon. Yes, before we'll... I, I go uh, outside and take a quick dip before I melt into this uh, melt into this bed. I, I you know what? As soon as I'm done, I'll take some pictures of the Pillow Fortress of Solitude. Dude, you've been promising I've, this for I've two months, so we're not believing you yet. We're not believing. This is where all the magic happens. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, MTV Cribs. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, Let's thanks see. for listening. Right in. Um, yeah, send us pictures of your stickers and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, right in and tell us what you what you enjoy. That's if you've got any covers that you like particularly, so uh, yeah, this is something we could revisit at some point. So. Yeah, for sure, because there's a million a million good punk rock covers out there. So yeah. Exactly. So anyway, stay safe, everybody, and uh, stay free. So talk to you next time. See ya. Bye.